If you looked at my desk right now and you didn't know who I was, what would you surmise? It is a, a menagerie, a plethora of unique items. You have uh, a Rode boom mic. Okay, the guy probably takes some videos. A broken down GoPro. Uh, separated into pieces. I was replacing the lens. Okay, so he, he likes to uh, do all sorts of uh, different sorts of videography. You've got a uh, pair of goggles. I must like swimming. You've got a dive light. I must like swimming a lot. I've got bone and joint medicine and glucosamine. So I must be uh, trying to get myself in health. I have a tin of uh, tuna chunks in sunflower oil sitting, sitting here unopened waiting for lunch. I uh, must be a health nut. Tools, clamps, wire connectors, bike Allen keys, tons of these types of things. Well, he's, uh, he's, he's diligent with uh, trying to get something prepared, something ready to go. He's on a mission <laughs> among a water purifier, a ultraviolet water purifier for uh, water on the road, a headlamp for climbing mountains, a uh, iMac, <laughs> a 5D Mark III Canon, a mini projector for projecting uh, any videos I make onto any surface from my cell phone. Um, <laughs> a big fat four terabyte hard drive sitting right in front of me marked raw 2009. So this is where I, uh, my earliest hard drive stuff, tripods, screwdrivers, containers of every sort, clamps, duct tape. It is a, uh, it is a sight to behold. And of course the Starbucks coffee got to have that in the mix. Well, I just got back from um, a uh, very interesting health check. Well, before I get into that, for those of you that may be listening to this for the first time, that was a strange intro. My name is Matt. This is the Jayo Nation podcast, and it's a story of me as I travel around the world. At the moment, I'm still in Ningbo, and I have just finished a fairly extensive health check check. Uh, I had a finger jammed up my, uh, my butt. <laughs> that was, that was a highlight. <laughs> I had, uh, a lot of blood taken. I had a lot of, uh, ultrasound given on my, uh, heart and, uh, stomach. I had a, a full body sort of a, not a PET scan, but a full body scan as well as, uh, MRIs on both of my knees. I had had uh, the MRI that found the torn meniscus on my left knee. And so uh, today I decided to get both knees done. Following up from this, I will have a PET scan, which is like a full body scan done on Monday. The PET scan isn't necessary for climbing Everest, but I thought it would be a great thing to have done right now. Annie, uh, my girlfriend, said that uh, 
if I got the PET scan done, it could show anywhere I might have a cancerous problem or anywhere I might have a real trouble. It'll, it'll preemptively give you the bad news if there's any bad news to be given. It's an interesting thing to, uh, to do that. You know, she, she actually asked me, do you, do you really want to do this? Because, you know, you might get some bad news. In my mind, of course, I'd rather know than not know. But then I started to think, you know, that there's probably a lot of people out there that would really rather let their life play out. They'd rather not know until the last, you know, until that pain. Me, I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, I, I want to live forever. That's my mission in life. I love living and I love this moment in time. To say, you know what, I'm tired, it's time to go, I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's ever going to happen for me. For some, no. You know, some people have stronger religious views and might feel like the next phase after death is going to be even more exciting. I don't make a choice either way, but uh, I do realize that the time here is pretty awesome as long as you're, you know, adding fuel to life. So I got all those tests done. It was interesting. All the nurses uh, in the hospital are all Chinese. I don't see many foreigners. And uh, I felt like uh, Justin Timberlake <laughs> getting my checks done. I've been learning the word for uh, Mount Everest and trying to get it down. It's In Chinese, it's it's a very, for me, a difficult word to say. It's Jumu Langmu Fun. And uh, it's a, w- a lot of weird sounds next to each other that need to be spoken up. So I'm trying to utilize it. There's a song that uh, actually Xi Jinping is the president of China. His wife is a ex uh, pop star, you would say in China, but she didn't really sing uh, like popish music. She, she sang old style music, like classics, like she would have sung the American equivalent to Frank Sinatra songs, you know, classic kind of, you know, Chinese songs. And one of the songs she sung is a sort of a uh, Tibetan song about Mount Everest. And it's very, you know, if you ever listen to some old Chinese songs, it's very high pitched, you know, it's very, very Chinese (laughs) in my mind because I know the music. But I told Annie, I'm like, Annie, can you, can you write down the, um, the English translation? The English letters is called pinyin. Like Chinese characters are very complicated. I only know a few of them. But each character has a sound. Zhu, mu, lang, mu, fun is, is you know, is, uh, is Everest. But Zhu is Z-H-U. Sounds like Jew. So that's the opinion of that word. And I said, I'd really love for you to, and, and by the way, I'm butchering. I mean, it's, uh, it's not, I'm not getting my tones right. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't know, Chinese is a tonal language. And there are four tones. 
it's it's interesting actually because the way that you say a word can change its meaning and i'm sure that when i say jumu la mon it's uh, not sounding like i'm saying mount everest to a chinese person but <laughs> whatever most people that listen to this podcast probably can't tell the difference <laughs> kind of a funny limerick there's a limerick that when you study chinese i'm going to butcher it but four is ci and then yes is Shi, and then ten is shi, and then uh, yeah. So you say four is four is si shi si, and then ten is ten is shi shi shi, right? Ten is shi. Fourteen is fourteen is shi si shi shi si, and then forty is forty is si shi si. And then 44 is not 44 is kind of the end of it is you could say Anyways, you can say it really quick. Anyways, it's... I, I'm sure that I didn't say that correctly, but you get the gist. It's very interesting. Anyways, Chinese is a tonal language. So I went to my uh, health check today and uh, um, everybody was looking at me like, wow, who is this guy? And then when I told them, uh, I'm climbing Mount Everest, their eyes opened really wide. You know, Not only is this foreigner coming in here to get his body checked, but he's getting his body checked because he's... He's about to climb Mount Everest. Uh, anyways, it was it was fun. It was fun. I did get my ultrasound and the lady was saying, wow, your heart rate is extremely slow and your heart is big. You know, when they're telling you, you don't know if it's an emergency thing or if they're just saying it matter of factly. Are they saying, oh, wow, you, your heart is large? Or are they saying, ooh, your heart is too large? I told Annie, they said my heart was large. They said, well, it's probably not a big deal. They're just excited to have a foreigner with a big heart. <laughs> uh, anyways, as far as my heart rate goes, the lo lowest my heart rate's beat at per minute is 39 beats. Isn't that crazy? I don't know how many people out there have had it that low, but uh, I know I'm on the low range of things. And 39 beats per minute is really low, but seemingly healthy. I only have one real issue that I'm hoping that I can get diagnosed with uh, with these checks is is I have some sometimes I I feel like I've existed my entire life with a slight form of asthma and no one's ever diagnosed it because I've never really complained about it. I remember swimming on my high school swim team and I would be wheezing every time I you know take a breath and I remember uh, later on in life I would have points where I don't feel like I can get a full breath of air. It's like no matter how much I try to have a, have a fill my lungs up, it's about 20% short. Most of the time it's not a big deal, but every so often, and it doesn't have to be when I'm running. Sometimes it happens when I'm running, but sometimes it's just I'm living life and I'll sit at my desk and all of a sudden I have to put my hand down on the side of the chair and I'm trying to take a breath and seems like I just have to wait it out. And it's very uncomfortable. 
And sometimes the only fix can be if, if I belch and if I burp really good, somehow that rattles the inside and opens those closed bronchi and I can get a deep breath after that. And up until now, I've never really had to worry about it, never even gotten it diagnosed, never even gotten somebody to treat me for it. But now with me going up Everest, I, I thought maybe I could get somebody to kind of take a look at it. It's 11.29 on Friday, uh, February 26th. I bought my ticket to Kathmandu. I'm leaving in less than a month from now. I'll be in Kathmandu on the 24th. Uh, I want to buy some uh, specific things for Everest. I have most of my high altitude gear, but uh, I want a new set of uh, climbing boots that'll uh, satisfy me up until camp three. The ones I have right now are a little tight in my toes. One of the things that happens when I climb mountains is, and I think it's because of these boots, which is why I'm going to replace them, is I always lose my big toenails <laughs> on both of my big toes. It both, after a big climb, they uh, bruise up, they turn color, and then they end up falling off, and it takes like six months to a year to replace them. So this time I'm going to see if I can preemptively stop that and buy proper fitting boots and see if I can maintain my toenails this time. In um, about a half hour, I have to go to my CrossFit. It's becoming fun. I really enjoy uh, the CrossFit. It's uh, it's a lot of functional movements. I feel like my legs are becoming a lot stronger um, which is a good thing. These squats, these things, you know, I never really did a lot of squats. When I swam, I was all upper body. I was shoulders, I was lats. And so doing squats and focusing on my core, my lower core and my, my legs has been something that has been new to me. And, uh, when I was younger, I hated it. It was not something I enjoyed. It was in fact, something I tried to avoid these Oh, I never like to do squats. I'm putting weight on my shoulders and I'm squatting down. Oh, just I enjoy doing bicep work, shoulders, you know, that you know, these kind of things that sculpt your upper body and then, you know, what do you need to sculpt your legs for? They were always skinny for me, so I never really worried about putting muscle on, but uh, now I'm understanding the importance of a good core. So, um process of me getting ready for Everest is is moving along. And along with that process is all the extraneous stuff. Like climbing Mount Everest for me had always been the beginning crowning achievement of the Jaya World Tour. Even if I had started and not had the accident, not had my knee problems or whatever, I always felt that the Mount Everest accomplishment would be the, the stake in the ground to start the tour uh, professionally. Okay, maybe they wouldn't respect a guy that's riding his bike around the world or trike around the world and making these videos. Wow, you know, when I get off of Everest, I'm going to have momentum. Just like uh, when I was riding the trike and I would ride over a hill and that momentum downwards because of all the weight I was carrying would would not only speed me down the mountain, but when I got to the bottom of the mountain, it would carry me for quite some distance. That momentum would stay with me. And I felt like no matter what, the, I would say commercial success, the, the, the um, promotional success, the amount of people that could watch the tour and identify with somebody chasing their dream they may not be able to identify with a guy cycling around, but they all could identify with the, 
the mission of somebody wanting to climb Everest and accomplishing that goal, taping their experiences. And so I always thought that Mount Everest, okay, after I get out from Mount Everest, then this would be the really start of this thing. And so um, with that start, I want to make sure that all the components of the Jaya World Tour are in place. And one of those major components, the thing that let's say somebody hears about me or somebody, you know, learns about the tour somehow, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to go to the website if they don't know me personally. Uh, so they'll watch a video, maybe they'll see, a, a listen to a podcast, but they're going to go to the website. And when they do, I want them to see something that, that they feel is a comfortable place to see their whole story laid out so that they can get excited like I am, so that all their questions can be answered and that they can say, wow, this is a place I'd like to go back to later. This is a place I'd like to live in. I'd like to live in this website. It gives me all the information that I need and answers all the questions that I want answered and is beautiful. And so I've been working really hard on uh, recreating Jayo.com into a beautiful website. And I think I've done that pretty well. Uh, and it flows well. And, uh, at the moment I'm writing content every day. I'm trying to write a new article for it. And the articles are not necessarily like today I did this or, or like blog posts, they're articles, they're content, you know, like, uh, right now I'm adding all of the stories behind all the sponsors so I added HB Velotechnic, the company that makes a trike. So if anybody goes to the website and is like, I want to know about this guy's trike and I want to know why he chose it. I don't want to know what the brand is and all of this stuff. Now, there are videos that I've recorded in the past that relate to it, but there's no concise place that they can go and learn more specifically about that. Or Adventures Global, the company that created or that is taking me on Everest. Why did I choose them? How did I find them? What are their background? What is, in my opinion, you know, what what is the background, the Jio background to Adventures Global? In the end, I've got a whole list of things that I need to add, and you know, everything from um, Bendit Cycling, Schlumpf, the dr Schlumpf Drive on the trike, Bent Rider, which is you know a lot of the stuff for the trike. But uh, the other thing I want to add are stories behind the things that I wanted to do or that I will do along the way of the Jaya World Tour. Uh, things that I had put on my bucket list that might require some explanation. Uh, I, added a, I added the story of Mount Everest. Why did I climb Mount... Why do I want to climb Mount Everest? Uh, where's that passion derived from? Um, swim with great white sharks wingsuit jumping, skydive uh, certification, getting my scuba license, uh, doing aid work around the world, visiting Antarctica, base jumping into the Cave of Swallows, hiking the Appalachian Trail, wanting to learn 10 languages, play 10 instruments. Every single one of these milestones, I call them, requires a story. And so when somebody was to visit, if somebody was to look at that and say, okay, I see this guy, he's traveling around, the he's got this A to B path, why is he going this route? What does he want to accomplish along the way? And why does he want to accomplish those things? So I'm trying very hard to put all those things in. And it's, man, it's, you know, now with the podcast, the videos, the 
Facebook kind of timeline as well as these stories, I feel like, whoa, there's a there's a there's a beautiful interactive um, place that people can live if they want to know more about Jayo. And I've created, and that's my goal is to create this place where they can go and they can feed the visual sense, the audio sense, and also they can consume information just the general normal way, which is reading a story that somebody wrote. And so um, that's what I've been working on recently. And uh, it's not easy, you know, you have to, be in the zone in order to write. You're always trying to put yourself in a creative mindset to do good work. Sometimes you can't just snap your fingers and that creative mindset is there, especially for me. I uh, find recently, though, that uh, things are flowing, and so I'm really putting out some good content. The other thing on the website that uh, I'm implementing, I don't know how many of you have been there since uh, the beginning of the Jaya World Tour, but the original Jaya website map was something that I was really proud of. I worked with a designer who is a professional at uh, Google Map API, the coding behind Google Maps, and I had him design a map that not only showed people where I was going, showed them where I had been, if they clicked on a point on the map, it would show them the actual video I made at that location, also give them some information, show them all related content that I put on Jayo about that place. Just a complete uh, story uh, that that would facilitate anybody's desire for understanding, you know, what what that point, the meaning of that point to me. So the redesign of the website canceled the old map programming. And so I had to call my old friend, the one that programmed the, wrote the code for the original map and tell him that I want the old map enacted into the new website. So if you look at the map now, it's just got a couple of points, test points on it in China. And uh, I'm waiting for the, uh, for my programmer to repopulate. And once that happens, then I'm going to send out an email to everybody and say, you know, Hey, everybody, I redesigned the website. It's ready to go. Uh, take a look and let me know what you think. So I'm really working towards having that 100% before I leave for Kathmandu because once I get to Kathmandu, I want my focus to be on climbing 100%. I'm really getting excited for setting foot in Kathmandu and starting this journey for myself. This whole process leading up to it is a very long and drawn out process and it's a lot of prep for a single moment, you know, which is climbing up to the top. I'm trying to think of everything, but there are some things you, you can't prepare for. You just got to like walk along with it. One funny thing is I, I don't know uh, if you've ever heard of fire dancing or poi, poi, P-O-I, but it's uh, poi are, are those things, if you've ever been to Thailand, you know, or, or been to Woodstock or whatever hippie place, you'll see these people spinning these fireballs and they spin them around their head and they play all these like gymnastic things with, with to the beat of music or in their own mind. And when I, when I went to Thailand last with Annie, I, I saw some people doing it and I was like, wow, that is really beautiful. I had fallen in love with that a long time ago. So I, uh, I was interested in this thing and I bought some poi and I was playing with them years, like five, six years ago. And, uh, so I 
brought them out again and I started I started playing with them and I would I would walk to the office and I would spin them and uh, you spin to the beat of the music left right left right and then in reverse and then forward and reverse and then sideways and the other way and you can do advanced tricks like you know winding around each other and, and spinning around while these poi are spinning as well and you know what I realized is wow this is a fun activity that doesn't require a lot of weight these things are very light they're sm- fairly small you can pack them up and you can do it while you're walking, while you're hiking. And I was thinking, wow, this is this would be something to kind of take my mind off these long hikes when I go to Everest or on my way to Everest because there's quite a lot of hiking to you involved. And it could be something that could sharpen my senses. It could be something to occupy my mind. And it could also be something to occupy my hands because, you know, a lot of times you're just walking, you know, and also it's kind of fun. So I'm going to bring my poi to Kathmandu and uh, be a guy sitting at base camp spinning these things around. It'll, it, should, it should make for some interesting uh, sidelong glances, I'm sure. I know every time I uh, talk to you, I, uh, the last few podcasts, I've talked about a few things. So let me give you a few updates. One, Annie's pregnancy is going very well. She is uh, ballooning up around the waist And she's going to Los Angeles in a few days to investigate a few places that she wants to have the baby at. She's going to check out a few hospitals and things. So she's excited about that. I have to stay and continue training forever, so I can't go with her. But uh, all is well there. Eva is doing well. I also had been talking about doing podcasting about this new tool, the Osmo that I had uh, purchased to help me record on the mountain. Uh, I've been using it quite a bit, as well as using this new tool for video. And uh, to be honest, I think this new Feiyu Tech gimbal is is going to be one of the major tools I'll use on my trip on Everest, and it incorporates a GoPro. I'm not going to get into it too much. It's very, t- it's not very technical, but it's very video. And I'll leave, uh, I'll leave that for a podcast of its own. Like I said, I was going to do a, uh, one, of, one of these podcasts on its own, and I'm going to do that again in the future. I don't think this is the right time. As a matter of fact, I got another five or ten minutes before I have to start heading out to the gym. Uh, but another, another podcast, which is the next one that I'm going to record, is a first stab at a truly well-organized professional podcast. Now, these podcasts I have been doing have been sort of off-the-cuff conversations, but a friend of mine, Sylvie, she's one of my best friends here in uh, in Ningbo, and she is a teacher. And she had come back to Ningbo for a short time because uh, she had to fulfill some agreement with uh, her school. And in doing so, she met with some of her old students. She's been a teacher of these kids for a long, long time. And they're 11 and 12, and they're sisters from Australia. And she wanted to do a project with them. The project was, I want you guys to do a podcast. Now, these kids are truly unique. More than half of their life has been spent in Ningbo, away from their home country of Australia. They have a perspective on life that few kids can appreciate that haven't been abroad like they have. 
Um, whereas some kids are focused on PlayStation games, fashion, and this and that. Their focus is on integrating into the culture that they live in and being half uh, sort of Chinese and having friends from all over the world because they go to international schools and learning Chinese language. And um, it's, it's a beautiful story from what Sylvie told me. And what we're going to do tomorrow is the kids are going to come in and I'm going to set them up. I told Sylvie that I'd, I'd be happy to facilitate a podcast with them as long as uh, I could do a Jio podcast about the process of their stories because their stories are very interesting. They've been a lot of unique places. They've been places that uh, most adults have never been to. You know, most adults can't attest to have lived the life of these kids and the kids are still in adolescent years. So I'm, I'm really excited to sit down with them, help them with their podcast and then construct a podcast of my own from what they said. Now, um, they really enjoy the structured podcasts and Sylvie gave them the example of the, the This American Life podcast. And so they're going to structure their podcast in chapters. Chapter one, uh, introduction, chapter two, the story of, of uh, home away from home. And in chapter three is, is study of language and the kids' re- reflection on language and, and Chinese language. So I'm, uh, I'm going to help them with that. And then afterwards, I'm going to talk to them a little bit uh, for you guys, so you guys can get a taste of what their life is like. And uh, maybe you could see how they have added fuel to their lives to make it better. Either way, uh, that's the upcoming podcast chapters that you can look forward to. I have to go now and uh, go to the gym. Uh, Maybe if something interesting happens at the gym, I will continue this. Uh, Either way, I need to stop at the moment and... uh, Ja a little yo. <clears throat> Back. Back and literally and figuratively. <laughs> figuratively, because I've returned from working out and doing my exercise today. It's about two hours, two and a half hours after I left you. And uh, back also because I'm doing uh in my exercise uh i'm learning the skills uh of the snatch snatch is when you take a weight uh, you've seen power lifters when you watched uh, like powerlifting for the olympics where they take the weight the bar from the ground and then they pull it along their body until it gets to the, about their hip and then they power their hip forward, move their shoulders slightly back. That movement throws the bar upwards. And then you kind of use the momentum of that bar going up and get underneath it, arms outstretched above your head, and you snatch. And then you stand up straight and you have that uh, full bar weight above your head. And, you know, you'll watch the competitions and they'll be you know, hundreds of hundreds of pounds on each side, arms shaking, this Goliath of a man holding it up. And then as soon as he's, 
you know, held it up, uh, extended for, you know, uh, a period of time. I think it's like five or 10 seconds. And then he's able to drop it and then drops. Boom, boom, boom. Well, I'm just learning the basics of, of how to do these movements. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's very interesting. Like I said before, I never really used the lower half of my body. And now studying these kind of lifts and snatches and in power moves, uh, it's engaging a part of the body that, uh, I, I'm, I've been trying to engage for a long time, so it's good. <clears throat> so today I am back from doing some back exercises. Working out is, uh, sort of cleansing, isn't it? You are focused on one thing. This one movement, if it's a complicated movement it allows you to kind of clear your mind get all the garbage out and and think back and I remember that uh, I haven't done a podcast in a little while and the last time I did a podcast I was talking about visualizing Everest and the future of the Jio tour and I was trying to think about each step of the climb up of up Everest and trying to build confidence and I have been ever since but there has been one thing that has crept into my mind a little apprehension it started when I received an email from Ronnie Ronnie is uh, my expedition leader and the and one of the leaders of Adventures Global the company that's uh, organizing my expedition and it was the first email that he had sent out to everybody in the team. And so it was copied to everybody. And it was, hey, guys, just letting you know, the looks like the season's going well. Please expect to be at Kathmandu and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a great email to receive. It was, it was like sort of a, a confirmation that this thing's really happening. So that was exciting. But uh, the other thing was, is it allowed me to see the other names on the team because he sent it to what I believe to be everybody in our team this year. Uh, very small team, like only like only like five people uh, as far as climbers go that I could I really identify. The rest were, you know, team members, you know, like uh, Ronnie or, you know, the other people on a team. So that was exciting. But as I took those email addresses uh, what I wanted to do is send in a message out to everybody. Hey, my, my name's Matt. I'm going to be on the team. I'll see you in Everest. Uh, please, you know, have my email address so that we can contact and I'm looking forward to seeing you. So I was sending everybody the individual messages. But the first thing that I did before I sent an email was I saw if they were on Facebook. So I plugged their email into the search bar on Facebook and I saw if anybody was on there. Now, two of them weren't. I couldn't identify them on, on, uh, on Facebook, but the other three were, and uh, the first was actually one of the employees, uh, not employees, I think he's one of the expedition leaders alongside Ronnie. When I went to the Adventures Global website, I learned they, they founded Adventures Global together. His name is Stephen Bach. If you go to his Facebook, you see you know, lots of pictures of mountains. His profile picture is him with an oxygen tank connected with expedition logos and the Adventures Global uh, logo uh, emblazoned on his on his jacket and and a lot of uh, you know positive reinforcement, motivational stuff. But it was a lot of like training. You know, a lot of showing that this guy is 
ready to go. He's older than me and he's wiser than me. And, uh, he's more mountain, um, ready, you know, than, than I thought I was. Uh, so then I looked at the other person and then the next person is, you know, this, uh, looks like a marathon runner. His picture is, uh, he's an older guy, but, uh, he's extremely lean, extremely fit. And all of his pictures are, you know, marathon this or, uh, you know, and, and it continued each, each one of these, uh, characters in, in our team was this prototypical climber, you know, who you would think would be the guy that would be climbing mountains. I never really placed myself. Uh, look, I don't look in the mirror and say, this guy's a climber, you know, I'm doing it because I'm pushing myself. I'm trying to fit a mold to do a, uh, to do, uh, uh, an adventure that is a dream of mine, but, uh, it's, it's a little bit outside my wheelhouse, but the other people on the team, it's very inside their wheelhouse. And it started to give me a little bit of nerves. You know, I, uh, pride myself on being a leader. I, I like to be a uh, teacher as much as I can. And the thought of being an anchor, the thought of being somebody in the rear that's pulling everybody back is extremely uh, disheartening and extremely worrisome for me. And I, uh, I started thinking about the time on Mushtaga, the first, first climb to Camp One. Uh, I was just coming off a of sickness, and I remember seeing, and you could see the video of Mushtaga, that uh, the first video, I think you'll see it. And it's, you know, the climbers disappearing over the, you know, as far as I could see up the mountain, they literally had left me in the dust. And here I am kind of all alone. I'm, I'm carrying Annie's stuff. So I'm putting Annie at a disadvantage because she has to hang back with me because I have some of her clothes and stuff. She ends up going ahead and I end up basically breaking down you know, frustrated, sad, angry at myself that uh, I can't keep up with the group. Now, this kind of haunted me. It said, oh, you might be ready for this again. You know, this is, you might be amongst uh, better men and uh, you're going to have to, you know, go through this kind of humiliation, I guess, again. So I sent an email uh, to uh, Elizabeth, who is Ronnie's uh, Ronnie's wife, new wife, and she's also involved in the whole expedition. And I said, uh, just looking forward to seeing you. Um, I just wanted to say hi. She said, yeah. And she replied, said, you know, that would be great to see you too. She said, Ronnie showed me your videos. I know about Jayo. It looks like amazing. Uh, it'll be, it'll be great. And then I replied to her. I said, you know, to be honest, I'm a little worried because I've kind of looked up the other people on the group and I feel like I might be an anchor and I'm, I'm worried about that. I don't want to be the person that lets everybody else down or is the, the force against people's opportunity to do this, uh, climb Mount Everest. And she replied with a lovely reply. I mean, um, I won't read it verbatim, uh, but I will include it in the description of the uh, of the podcast. So if you want to, you can read it. But she basically was saying, listen, slap, slap, slap. <laughs> Don't be stupid. 
Everybody on that mountain is on that mountain for their own reason. And they're all trying their best in order to accomplish this goal, which is fantastic. Some of us are more ready than others. She's like, personally, I'm, you know, I, I like my beer. I enjoy, you know, the, the good things in life. And, and I just love the outdoors, she says, you know, and she's like, to, to hear you say that it's endearing. It's, you know, to hear somebody kind of be so humble, but you need to understand that you can't worry about everybody else. You're on your own journey. And no matter how, how you get there, you're going to get there. And, you know, unless obviously something major happens that, you know, you can't, but she basically finished, stop, stop this line of line of thought. And uh, it was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. It was, it was perfect, to be honest. She said, I look forward to seeing you, but you got to stop thinking that you're on your own journey. And uh, sometimes it takes a little sobering kind of slap around to make you realize that you are, you are on your own path. Everybody's walking their own path. And Stephen Bach, who's, you know, uh, a seasoned climber, he's climbing Everest for his own reason. And Ronnie is climbing his uh, Everest with us for his own reasons. And everybody on the team is motivated by their own set of, uh, desires. Um, so, uh, it was, nice because I needed that. And, uh, now I've kind of recentered myself. I'm focused on my, my own goals. I'm trying to make sure that I'm ready. And, uh, so uh, I'm going to take on Everest and, and rock that shit out, you know? Anyways, I thought that was an interesting story and uh, an important one in, you know, the whole grand scheme of things. So, uh, I'm going to leave you with that. <laughs> We're all on our own journey. So if you feel like, you know, you're, you're up against others that might be better, it's not about them. It's about you as long as you're doing the best you can. And that, that's the other caveat, you know. If you're not trying hard enough, that's one thing. But if you are giving it your all, that's, and you know that you're giving it your all, you know, there's levels, you know, that we think, oh, yeah, that's enough. Well, a lot of us need to realize that we can push way beyond. We can add that fuel, Jayo, quite a bit to to hit that stride where you're saying that is the best that I can do or close to the best that I can do. And then that's what you want to reach. You don't want to do the best that he can do or she can do. You want to do the best that you can do. So uh, I'm going to do that and uh, see you at the top of Everest, you know. <laughs> so anyways, looking forward to it. Uh, and that's it. Jayo is a phrase that means to add fuel. I am adding fuel to my life by traveling around the world and accomplishing all the amazing goals that I've set out for myself along the way. If you're interested in following my journey, I encourage you to go to jayo.com. That's J-A-Y-O-E.com. Or check out my Facebook if you want some more current event kind of stuff. That's uh, go to Facebook and search for Jayo Life. J-A-Y-O-E-L-I-F-E. The new website's up. Everything's looking good. So uh, join on and subscribe at the bottom of the website if you want to receive some periodic emails from me letting you know about what's going on new with the Jaya World Tour. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'll catch you on the next one coming up real soon. Jaya.
笑。